prayer. What's prayer? Just talking to God. Right? And also what? Listening. Listening, Linda. Excellent. Extra credit for Linda. Listening. Right? I don't know about you, but my husband was saying to me the other day, you know, Margo, I need to be a better listener to you and to the children. He said, I hear you. And he hears us because we talk a lot. Because we're, she's a junior, she's a sixth grader, and I'm your mom, and I've taught them how to talk. <laughs> and he said, you know what? I hear, but at times I don't listen. He said, I need to be a better listener. And I said, you know, isn't that how we need to be with, with the Lord? We need to give him time to speak to us instead of us always yakking at him, but to listen, to listen, to listen. And be still and to know that he's God. And that's what that means, to be still, to allow him to speak. And he speaks through all the love gifts that he's left us. Through prayer, he speaks through the word of God. He speaks through the Holy Spirit as he's the one who is our teacher. He teaches us all truth. He illuminates our mind. He brings us into all um, into all truth, he says. And he is the teacher and the guide. Okay? And so he's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us each other as the body of Christ, okay, to speak into one another. He's given us circumstances. Everything that touches us touches him first. So he's given us circumstances that, that is his love gift to us, that we can hear from him. We need to listen. We need to listen. And so we are in uh, James 5, and we have just gone through all the different, uh, lack of a better word, like, times or, or places or, or when we pray, okay? But in general, James means what? We should pray what? Unceasing, all the time. All the time, okay? So starting again in 13, he says, Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil. In the name of the Lord and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to who? Each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man, a righteous man, which means what? Right with God. Right with God. Excellent. The prayer of a righteous man goes right with God. And, and right with God just means that we are in right standing with him. And that would be through the blood of Jesus Christ, okay, who cleanses us from all sin. But we have to, of course, receive him as a gift. Uh, and accept him. Okay, so the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Okay, now he talks about a powerful and effective man. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly to, that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. All right, we are going to study Elijah, so crank back to the Old Testament, 1 Kings 17. Now, this is, you guys, I'm going to first read the story, and then we're going to take it apart. Okay, we're going to you know, go as we always do, verse by verse, okay? We're going to take it apart and see. So listen to this incredible story about Elijah, okay? 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. 
So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of Jordan, and stayed there, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. Duh. <laughs> I love that. Well, you had prayed for that, Elijah. All right. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon, and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, and do as you have said. But first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought tragedy upon this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child, carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know. I know that I know that I know that I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. What a story. <laughs> Nothing more interesting than the word of God, even historically, right? Let alone how he just spiritually speaks out loud to you, right? Because it's it's powerful and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. But I mean, you know, that's better than any kind of mystery, isn't it? I mean, look at Elijah. Here's Elijah. Okay, so... Elijah prays for drought, okay, and experiences God's provision. Is basically what's happening here in 1 Kings 17, right? And what's happening is Elijah has come. He is a prophet that's brought by God. Because the Israelites, me, 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 me. Everybody else has kings. Everybody has kings. Everybody has kings. We want a king. We want a king. We want a king. And they're going on and on and on and on and grumbling. And be careful what you grumble about because the Lord said... Okay. Be careful, you know. All right. And so they had kings. And they had a host of kings. And every single king had been unfaithful. Every single king had been unfaithful until Elijah showed up on the scene. Every king. The Israelites asked for the kings. There they were. All of them had been unfaithful until Elijah showed up. Okay? So, Elijah the Tishbite. Okay, Elijah means the Lord, Yahweh, capital L-O-R-D. Remember when it's in your Bible, if it's capital L-O-R-D, it always means what? 
Yahweh, right? Yahweh, it always means his personal name, Jehovah, right? Highest of all high, it's his personal name. The, the Jews couldn't even whisper that name. They couldn't even say it. They would just write it because it was so holy. And there are no vowels back in the Hebrew language. So it's just Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, okay? So Elijah's name meant Yahweh is my God. The Lord is my God. So he's from, he's a Tishbite. That means he's from Tishbi. Tishbi, to this day, Jill Briscoe shared with me, that Bedouin tents are still on the hill there. Bedouin shepherds, they're Rome and Rome and Rome and Rome. Okay, they're still on the hill there, okay? That's how they still live, okay? And so here's Elijah, Tishbite, from this little Tishbi, right? Bedouin area, okay, inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab. Now, Ahab was a big old bad boy at the time, big old bad king, okay? And Ahab had been worshiping who? An idol called Baal. Baal. B-A-A-L. Baal. Doing all kinds of worship, worshiping Baal, okay? And so, and so, Elijah comes on the scene, da 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 as the prophet. And he shows up, and he looks at Ahab, and he says, as the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, okay, Yahweh, the God of all gods, okay, as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, before whom I, Elijah, the Lord is my God, stands, there shall not be dew nor rain in all these years except at my word. Power, huh? Power. Faith, huh? Walking by faith. Just goes and, and says it right out loud. Just says it as it is. Okay, so, crucial time in Judah and Israel history. Northern and southern, okay? Very crucial time, okay? And God, remember I always like, but God, right? When you want to study all the but gods of the of the Bible, it's, it's great. Because everything's going wrong, and then it's, but God! He's on the scene. He's always there, right? da 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 and this is what happens. Okay, but God, right? Sends Elijah. He suddenly appears. Just suddenly appears, okay? And he will become the dominant spiritual force in these dark, dark, Baal, idol times, okay? Of Ahab's apostasy. That means going away from the faith. Okay, and here comes the legend, all right? So, the government of Ahab officially had Baal as their religion. They had they had put it down in documents, okay? And I love that Elijah shows on the scene, prophet of God, and even his very name, Elijah, goes before him, right? The Lord is my God. I mean, just his very name. And you know, as I was saying this, how does your name go before you, right? How does it, now my name, Margot, comes from Margaret, okay, which means God's pearl. Oh. 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 I know, isn't it great? Oh. All right. But you know, more than what your name means or why you were named whatever you were named, okay, like this Phoenix who's gonna come, you know, I said, Oh, you know, laughing, I said, Did you rise from the ashes? She goes, No, my mom was watching some movie. You know? <laughs> but but you know it your name people know you by your character and then there's your name. Meanwhile, Elijah comes in the name of the Lord, and his very name says, Yahweh is my God. Just his very name. And they know this. 
and they know this, so to speak, okay? And so it looked as if the worship of the true God, Yahweh, okay, must be was going to be completely eliminated in the northern kingdom. That's what it looks like, okay? <laughs> in fact, one of the theologians I read, he said, the land swarmed with the priests of Baal and of the groves, proud of court favor, glorying in their sudden rise to power, insolent, greedy, licentious, and debased. The fires of persecution were lit and began to burn with fury. Okay? In other words, idol worship had taken off in abundance. So the whole <laughs> land seemed apostate. Okay? It seemed like it's fallen away. Okay? And of the thousands of Israel, okay, the thousands of Israel, listen to this, only 7,000 Israelites, only 7,000 Israelites remained who had not bowed the knee or kissed the hand of Baal. Only 7,000. But what happened is, is they were so paralyzed by fear. They're so paralyzed, they kept so still that their existence was unknown to Elijah. Okay? And so and so Elijah, you know, in his great hour of loneliness, as we find out, okay, doesn't even realize that they're around because they were so fearful. They were so fearful. That's how much Baal had taken over. Okay? So Elijah shows on the scene, full of the spirit. And he says there won't be any dew, not only just any rain, but dew. There's not going to be any dew either, okay, in these years except at my word, okay? So this is an incredible, dramatic demonstration against the pagan god Baal, because if you know who he stood for, do you know what he was the god of? Green. Weather. Would you love that? It's not just... You know, oh, choose this. No, no, we'll go right after what Baal says he can do. So there's not going to be any dew and rain, okay? Because because Baal was the god of weather. He was the sky god, okay? And and Elijah showed through his prayers that Yahweh is mightier than Baal, right? That Yahweh is mightier than Baal, okay? And so and as he is praying, believing, because he knew the God of Israel. He knew that he knew that he knew who he is and who he is in his life, okay? That Yahweh was mightier. That Yahweh is the one who who created the sky, who flung the moon and the stars. And he knew that he knew that that's who he was, okay? And so Elijah was just, you guys, a man just like us. He was just agreeing with Yahweh God. Are you following me? He wasn't saying anything like, you know, Unbelievable. He was agreeing because he knew who the capital L O R D is. Right? He knew who he was. And so he's just agreeing with God and he's showing his trust in Yahweh God. And and God receives all the glory. Why just not take me? He receives all the glory. Okay? And I want to stop here with our takeaway. You know, how are you praying? Are you agreeing with God? Are you agreeing with God and who he is? Do you know him enough to agree with him? That's why he's given us the word. That's why we're under the word on days like this. But that's why you're in the word, face-to-face, non-negotiable time with him. In the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, whatever it is during the day, that you're with him. Because you get to know him. And when you know him, you can pray believing and agreeing with him, and it is so. And it is so. As you walk by faith, okay? So, Elijah wasn't just a prophet of this drought, okay? In the sense of this prayer, 
He was the cause of this drought. Okay? Read James, what we just read, James 5, 17 through 18, right? What did he say? Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it what? Would what? It would not rain. And it did not rain in the land for three years and six months, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Okay, so my question is here. How have your prayers been the cause of blank happening? Of blank happening. The cause. I prayed, I still continue to pray, that my children would get caught at everything that they were doing wrong. And my kids hated it. I tell them, I'm praying for you today. Pray that you get caught for anything you do wrong today. And they did. Praise God. They did. And they're like, everybody else gets away with this stuff. And, and my daughter tried skipping out of school two times. And both times, like, I never go to Mayfair. But they only had my husband's shoes at Mayfair. I walked in, and she turns the corner. Oh. And she was supposed to be in school. Praise God. And she's like, that was the first time. And then the second time, I had her run an errand to the post office last minute. She pulls up in her car next to me. And looking at me, I'm looking at her. And she said, that was it. She said, you pray, and it happens every time. Oh, absolutely. But it, it works. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm telling you, absolutely. Anybody else? Mm-hmm. I, you know what? You pray, you agree with him in what he's doing. <laughs> You have to remember you need, you know, you need to agree with what he's doing. It's his desire, his heart. You know, you, 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 what I'm saying is you don't pray for your selfish prayers. Where we've learned that, right? It's not like pray, I want a Mercedes Benz God. You know what I'm saying? All right. A 350 yeah, accident. You, know, you don't do that, right? But you pray for him to be glorified. Um, my daughter just went off to college last Saturday. He got to lacrosse first time. I've been praying for her diligently, and um, just as you say, I, I was actually praying for you know a, a, a good roommate, a, you know, someone who knows God, and I just told, told my daughter, think about the summer, and think about maybe being a camp counselor, she's a lifeguard, blah, 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 and, you know, you'd have fun, you know, and this, um, this angel um, of a roommate of hers is a camp counselor at a Bible school for the summer. I mean, in the detail, he answers me. And and, um, and she just seems like a wonderfully Christian girl. And um, Thank you, he is so great. Thank you, Lord. So great. But you agreed with him. You, know, you, you prayed believing along with what, and he knows what it will take to conform you know, the likeness of his son in your daughter. You know, as well as you, if you're praying. Because as you're praying, what happens to us? But you are being changed, right? As you're praying, you're being changed. Always. Always, right? Is look at um, when your prayers have been the cause of blank happening, okay? Because you're a man, you're a woman, just like Elijah, right? Just like Elijah, okay? And so he says, he says then to Ahab, he says, As the Lord God of Israel lives... Before whom I stand. Okay? I love this. As Lord God Israel lives, before whom I stand. Okay? Now, this statement of Elijah gives us the source of his strength. So, who is the source of his strength? Elijah? No. Who? The Lord God of of Israel, right? Whom before I stand, okay? It was specifically that Elijah, okay, was a man with a nature like ours, okay? Yet, yet, he showed a strength greater than most of us do in our life walk with God. Didn't he? Margot, I was doing a study the last couple of weeks on this, um, on Elijah. Was that Chuck Swindell? 
Yeah, excellent. And I done, I had done this book. It's an older book, but um, I mean, there had never been anybody raised from the dead before this. Mm -hmm. So I mean, the faith that he had. Mm -hmm. The one part that really touched me the most. It says that when the woman saw her son was alive, she didn't see Elijah. She saw the Lord. That's right. Mm -hmm. Immediately. You know, so you yeah. you want people to see God That's in right. you. That's right. As you're doing things. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll get to that. I mean, I'm so thankful. I mean, that do side studies like that. That is mm -hmm. tremendous. Doesn't matter how old the book is. Matters how good and, and right the book is. So that's an excellent mm -hmm. book by Chuck Swindell. Uh, you know, what happens is, is that Elijah is walking it by faith in a faith that uh, at times seems a lot stronger than ours. Okay, and we have to pay attention to those indications. <coughs> Of the source of the strength, who is God? Okay. In other words, he said, "As the Lord God of Israel lives." Okay. Everyone else felt in Ahab's kingdom that the Lord God was what? Yeah. Dead. He's dead. He's not around. I haven't seen him work. What is this? This we're, we're, we're too busy practicing idol worship. Okay. Dead. But for Elijah. The Lord God of Israel, Yahweh is my God, okay? He was the supreme reality of Elijah's life. The supreme reality of his life. It doesn't matter what anybody else was thinking. He was standing on the rock that he knew that he knew that he knew. Supreme reality, okay? And our takeaway is, what? who is our supreme reality, reality in our life, right? What or who is our supreme reality in our life? All you have to do is check how you're walking. Just check how you're walking, Okay? Because whoever or whatever is the supreme reality in our life, that's who or what we're going to follow. You become like the person you focus on. The Israelites are focusing on who? Baal. And they became one. God said, this guy's the God of the scribe of this, we'll pray, do all that stuff, right? Not Elijah. Not Elijah. Yahweh is my God. And he kept focusing on him, okay? And then he says, before whom I stand... Okay, so Elijah says, before whom I stand. So he stood in the presence of Ahab saying this, didn't he? Ahab's right here, and he's standing right in the presence of Ahab. So really you think, well, you know, you're standing in the presence of Ahab. Okay, but he was conscious of the presence of someone greater than any earthly king right there. Okay, right there, just like Doris prayed for her kids, okay? All right, that Gabriel himself, remember who Gabriel is? Big archangel. Okay, Gabriel, big guy. We're going to meet him someday. Big, gorgeous archangels. All angels are guys. You know, they're not little fat cherubs that we see in Valentine's. Right? They're not girls. They're great big guys. All right? And this Gabriel, okay, himself could not choose a higher title. In Luke 119, just write it down for uh, sake of time. Luke 119, he basically shows on the scene, says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And he is telling Zachariah, uh, that he's going to have a baby. And, you know, how am I going to be sure? And he says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak to you. Nothing higher could be said. That's exactly what Elijah said. He said, before whom I stand. I'm in his presence. You guys, we are in God's presence, no matter who we stand with. We're in his presence. Like standing with Mr. O yesterday, I'm in God's presence. Very easy to feel like in God's presence when I'm supposed to do it first of all. Piece of cake. Mr. O, need to walk through some stuff? I'm still standing in God's presence. 
before whom I stand. I'm in Mr. Oates' presence, but I'm standing in God's presence. I'm walking in his presence. He's the one who goes before me. Okay? So, then the story goes on that Elijah, right after this happens, Elijah flees to where? Bye-bye. He, he's out to Kira. Okay, to, to, to this uh, valley, okay? So the word of the Lord comes to him, and he says, Hey, you know what? You better skedaddle out of here. Okay, now that I've, you know, you said this, and I've allowed you to say this, okay? He says, get away from here. And the Lord says, get away from here. Turn eastward, hide by the brook Kareth, okay? So, the drought is announced by Elijah to Ahab, okay? In the previous verse, because, you know, because of the greater threat of the idol worship going on, okay? So he announces that, and now Elijah's life is in what? He's in danger. Now he's in danger, okay? And God sent him to the brook Kareth, okay? For his own safety. For his own safety, okay? So here's here's what I'm gleaning from this, okay? As you're being used by God, was, was Elijah obedient being used by God? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As you're being used by God, though, you're going to be kept by God. Right? You're going to be kept by him. Even if it looks dangerous, you're going to be kept by him. He's got the best plans. He works mysterious. He works in the ways that we can't ask, think, or imagine. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. His ways aren't our ways. But you keep walking. You keep being used by him. And he keeps keeping you. Some way, somehow, something. And he says, okay, Elijah, skedaddle over to Brooke Kareth, okay? And he says, okay, now here it is. I want you to go over there. And it's for your own safety, okay? So God is leading Elijah one step at a time. One step at a time. I don't know about you. I like to have the whole path mapped out. Okay, Lord. Excellent. I see from here to like eight months from now. That rocks. No. No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't send you an email and say, well, here's your path. Now walk in it. Okay? No, it's one step at a time. He didn't tell him to go to Kareth and tell Elijah first delivered the news about what? There's not going to be any rain, Ahab, because of what you've done. Okay? He didn't tell him to go to Zarephath, okay, until the brook dried up at Kara that we read, okay? He didn't tell, you know, in other words, he told him step by step by step. And so he was increasing Elijah's faith. That's how we're supposed to live. It's impossible to please God without faith, okay? So he's increasing Elijah's faith. So God led Elijah step by step by faith, and Elijah followed by what? By faith. He not only walked, but he walked by faith, okay? He followed by faith. He followed the unseen, not the seen. Okay, that's the best journey ever, when you're following the unseen. Okay, so now he's hiding at the book of Kareth, okay, or Kareth. Okay, so there he is, okay? And and through this, okay, now, because he's like, come out, this prophet, pretty famous, everybody hears him, oh my goodness, he gets right before Ahab, the presence, the presence of God, and he says this, and all of a sudden, the hook comes out on the stage, and he run, and, you know, and God takes him away, okay? And he hides by the brook Kareth, okay? And now, through this, I am sure that God is teaching him the value of a hidden life. Because he stands for this, he preaches, he shares, and then all of a sudden, you think that, you know, now his fame, quote-unquote, fortune and everything, and God goes, no, now we're going to go in a hidden life. We're going to go in a hidden life, okay? He had just become famous, as an adversary of Ahab. So mighty that his prayers stopped the rain. Okay, now remember, everybody's seen this. 
You guys remember, when he prayed, it's not. No dew, no rain, okay? And so everybody's seen this. And so now God hides him, okay? And and he needs, you know, at, at the moment of his newfound fame, God wanted Elijah to hide and be alone with him. And be alone with him. And my um, favorite old Charles Spurgeon says, We must not be surprised then if sometimes our father says, Their child, thou hast had enough of this hurry and publicity and excitement. Get thee hence and hide thyself by the brook. Hide thyself in the careth of the sick chamber, or in the careth of disappointed hopes, or in the careth of bereavement, or in some solitude from which the crowds have ebbed away. See, uh, Elijah <coughs> was never alone because he had God to converse with. Okay. You're never alone. Because his presence, and you're conversing with him right there. And if you're practicing the presence of God, if you're practicing confessing and forgiving and, and from him, through him, and to him are all things, and you're talking to him and listening all the time, guess what? Being by the brook Kareth or, or proclaiming in front of Ahab doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, okay? And so and so it's that, it's that intimacy that Elijah had been experiencing already with God. So now he's, you know, coming to an intimate part with him, being hidden with him. And he says, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook, Elijah, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Okay? So now the escape, you know, to the brook Cherith is more than just for Elijah's protection. Okay? It was also to train Elijah in dependence in the Lord. To train him. Okay, we're going to go away for a while now, Elijah. I want to train you. In dependence, because really everything is from me, and and when you're alone here, you're going to see how dependent creature you are on me. Okay, so in a season of drought, Elijah needs to trust that God could keep this brook flowing, could keep the ravens coming on time in the morning and the evening. Okay, and accept the food from the ravens, which is an unclean animal. Ravens. Filthy, dirty, unclean animal, okay? And then I looked up the word tareth in the Hebrew. And I thought, Lord, what, what does that mean in that? And it means, it comes from the ancient Hebrew root meaning to cut away, to cut up or cut off. To cut away, to cut up or cut off, okay? And so this shows that God brought him to this exactly named brook to do some cutting up to do some cutting away in the life of Elijah during this period, okay? And then he says, I've commanded, okay? God Almighty has commanded, you love that, he commands the birds. I feed the birds every day. I just feed these chicken, 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 I love it. I just wait for them to come. They will come now right when I'm there. Right when I'm there. As a friend, I'm like, hello. I feel like St. Francis of Assisi or something. You know? <laughs> and they all come. I, I feel like I should put my hands out there. Right? And, and I think I think about how how he you know he sees when a, uh, a sparrow falls. He sees every how much more does he not and I just stand there and I think how they're dependent when there's nothing around on how God feeds them and I get to be a part of that. And I mentioned on Facebook, I said, I am sure the little geeks are smiling at me. <laughs> they are they're just and I think 
these ravens were commanded. See, all of creation knows their creator. You don't have to tell them who their creator is. All of creation knows. All of creation knows their creator. It's just the human beings is given self with hope. That's all. All the creation on earth knows their creator. And the ravens. Can you answer the ravens? We get to feed Elijah. Uncle and Sam, are you kidding me? Then you know the, the like the, the ravens are like I got the morning do Are you kidding me? I mean, they are unclean animals and they are being used to feed Elijah the prophet, okay? And and I love what he says, I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. He doesn't say, I've commanded the ravens to feed you as you know you're walking back. To Tishbe. I'm commanding the ravens to feed you there. That means you need to stay there. There's an emphasis on there, okay? And God promised that the ravens would feed Elijah as long as he stayed at Carrick. Okay, and and theoretically, the ravens could feed him anywhere, right? I mean, he could th- the ravens could feed him anywhere if God commands it to, okay? But but God commanded them to feed Elijah there. And so where did Elijah need to stay? There. Right there, okay? And you know what? Perhaps Elijah wanted to be somewhere else. I bet at times he's like, this is getting a little old, Lord. You know? You know, I mean, I'm, you know, okay, great. You know, I'm here in this list. But I'm thinking maybe second, third, fourth week, first, second year. Whatever, you know. He's like, okay, whatever it is, all right? Whatever it is. But I'm sure he wanted to be somewhere else. Maybe he wanted to be preaching. Maybe he wanted to be doing something else, okay? Yet God wanted him to be there. And so God will provide for him where? There. You guys, don't miss out on where God wants you to be. He provides for you there. If you're supposed to be hidden with him and on, on a time of, of quietness, he's providing for you there. In that hidden moment. Don't move on. Be still and know that he is because you don't wander from where he provides. He's always Jehovah Jireh. He will always provide. Don't you wander from his provision, okay? Obey and receive the blessing. Just like Elijah was. He was becoming more and more like his name. He was becoming, like Stuart says, who we already are. Right? His name. And so, Elijah's provision, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning. I wonder what kind of meat, huh? <laughs> I heard some really tasty. Squirrel. I got this one for him. Oh. Ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, yeah. bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Now, you know, his story always says, you always eat, you, you absolutely, wherever I've been through all over the whole world, I'm like, Lord, you've made this food. I'm asking you to bless this and turn it into something that is extremely nutritious for me. And, and so I'm trusting you with this because he says, I've eaten stuff that I have no idea who, what, who made it, what's made, where it's from. I have no idea. I'm just trusting the Lord that he's making it into something that will be nutritious for me. Okay? And, and that's how I think about how Elijah was, was walking through this because here the bread and meat come in the morning, they come in the evening, and then he drank from the brook. Okay? And so every bit, every bit of food, every single bit of food that came to Elijah, okay, was brought to him through a beak of an unclean animal. Are you following me in this? Okay, when we read this story, it's like, oh, that's a nice story. This is reality. 
every single piece of food that he's hidden away in Brook Kareth, and everybody's screaming over there because there's drought, drought, drought. He's being taken care of by God Yahweh, is being brought to him by ravens. I'm sure he's talking to these ravens too by now. Um, that and, they, and out of an unclean beak, okay? And Elijah has to put away his traditional ideas of clean and unclean animals. Very important back in the Israel, you know, Israelite day. Right? All the traditions. So he has to put that away. He has to trust in Yahweh God, okay? Because if he doesn't, he's going to die of starvation. Okay? So he needs to... When they come, he has to self-will. He can either eat that meat that's provided to him and drink from the brook here, or not. Right? Same thing with us. God will always provide. He's always there. It's if, if it's in the way we think it's we're supposed to be accustomed to. And you guys, nine times out of ten, it's not going to be. Break all this tradition stuff. Look at me. Look at me. It's not about tradition. It's about who I am. Right? And, and so through this, God taught Elijah to emphasize the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. Okay? That's the truth and grace stuff. Okay? Not the legalism stuff. The spirit of the law. Right, not the letter of the law. Okay, so bread and meat were brought in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And as faithfully as he provided manna, remember when he provided manna for the Israelites? Right, as they're walking forty years through the desert, grumbling, blah 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 blah. But he brings manna in the morning, gives it to them. Right, they couldn't hoard it, or it would what? Putrefy. Right, putrefy. Right, they didn't walk by faith and receive it the next morning. As faithfully as he provided manna. Okay, for Israel in the wilderness, he provided for Elijah and his needs. Okay? And Elijah came to came to trust God more than ever. You know, as you come to walk in that hidden place, you know, you come to realize that it's the joy of the Lord that is your strength, okay? However, it's hard, it's grueling, it's 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 just doing the next right thing. And and through that obedience. You know, it, it's just step by step by step that he's unveiling and he's cutting away, like that word careth means, he's cutting away all the dross that he doesn't want in us. And you're absolutely right, he was extremely low. Here's Elijah, okay, and all of a sudden in verse 7, it says, after a while, what happened to the brook? It dried up. Okay, the very brook that God brought him to, okay, that he's depending on, it dried up. And so Elijah is seeing the brook slow down. You guys imagine this. He's drinking from the brook, and he's seeing the brook start to be, instead of this incredible rushing water or whatever it was, it's now trickling over the rocks, okay, or trickling down. He sees the brook slow down, okay, and his source of water now is all gone. And then the question is, do you keep watching the brook, or do you wait on God and trust to know that he said what he said. He said he would provide. It's the same thing with how we walk. Are we going to look over this way and say, oh wow, it doesn't look like this is happening. Oh my goodness, you know, this is what God said, but it's not working. And then freak out. Or well, if we trust in the unseen, in knowing who he is and saying, you know what? This brook is looking pretty nasty right now. It doesn't look like it's going to be watering me for too much longer. But God, but God, what are you going to look at? What are you going to look at? Circumstances or your sovereign God? And it is hard to sit by a drying up brook. But he continues to walk 
in what God, who God is, because he knows God, okay? And so what's happening is, is I was thinking about there are some kinds of drying brooks that each of us experience, okay? Drying bro- brooks, okay? Like, like maybe it's a, a drying brook of popularity, okay? Um, you know, that's ebbing away. Like John the Baptist. You guys remember? John comes, whoa! He's the forerunner, you know, say, you know, who that's coming after me is greater than me. He's just, he's forerunner of the Messiah, right? And he was extremely popular, okay? And then all of a sudden, there's a drying brook, maybe, of the popularity, okay? Or that there's a drying brook of health, okay? Like, like perhaps sinking under, like, some creeping paralysis. I, I like one of our, our our friends, Alicia, is experiencing MS right now, and she's going through all kinds of uh, treatments and everything. And and at times I'm like, you know what? This is absolutely where he has you, and he has his best for you right now. It's not the drying book. Don't look at the drying book. Look at what he's doing. Look at what he's already done. Look at the grace that he has poured over you. You know, or the or the drying book of money. You know, with the economy now, we know of, you know, that maybe it's just, you see it slowly dwindling and you don't see it changing. You know, bad debts, something that's going on. Okay? Or you see the drying broke up of friendship. Maybe with friends that you had had or, or, or because, you know, you're, you're, you're walking differently now and, and every, that, that they are like, well, you know, you're, you're not so much like me anymore and, and it, it's, it's diminishing and it hurts. There's all kinds of drying books. And, and and Charles Spurgeon says, Why does God let them dry? He wants to teach us not to trust in his gifts, but in himself. In other words, you depend on the creator, not the created. You walk in that. He wants to drain us of self as he drained the apostles by ten days of waiting before the Pentecost. He wants to loosen our roots ere he removes us to some other sphere of service and education. He wants to put us in stronger contrast of the river of thrown water that never dries. That's what he does. That's what he does. And we need to keep our eyes on the creator, not the drying brook that he created. Okay, so because there had been, the reason it was drying up is because what? There had been no what? Rain. Rain. There had been no rain in the land, okay? And this was the drought that Elijah had prayed for, okay? So now the river is just doing its physical properties, that it is, and it's drying up, okay? And um, what I notice is, is that Elijah, at this point, did not pray for rain to come again. Did you notice this? He didn't pray for rain to come again, okay? He didn't even pray for his own survival. He kept the purpose of God, the purpose of God first, even when it adversely affected him. Elijah, a man just like us, he kept the purpose of God, the purpose of God, even when it adversely affected him. Okay, and, and, and to think that he kept praying so that God would be glorified. In all this. And it wasn't, remember how we learned the selfish prayer? It wasn't the selfish prayer. It was, oh God, look at me now. What's going on here? I am sure at times he said that. But he did not pray 
for it to rain. He continued to be right where he was supposed to be. He continued to be right there. And so he trusted him completely, even in his hardship. And in verses 8 and 9, okay, God now provides for Elijah through who? A widow. A widow. Through a widow, okay? So God calls Elijah to go to Zarephath, okay? And he says, okay, word of the Lord comes to him just in the nick of time, right? God works the deadline. And he says, okay, now I want you to go to Zarephath. I want you to go to this widow, okay, um, and, and dwell there. And see, I've commanded, I, I have commanded, just like he commanded the ravens, now I've commanded a widow to provide for you. I think that's so fun. First he goes from ravens, right? And now he goes to a widow. I mean, widows, they hardly have anything, right? And, he, and this widow is going to provide for you, okay? And so God led Elijah from the dry brook to a Gentile city, Okay? A Gentile city, okay? Unusual and very challenging, okay, for Elijah to make, okay? And God kept transplanting Elijah, okay? From, you know, from his home to Jezreel to Kareth to Zarephath, okay? And he kept transplanting him. And guess what? Elijah just kept becoming stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger, okay? And we should remember that the general region, okay, when I was studying this, that the wicked queen Jezebel was from, uh, Elijah was visiting enemy territory and showing the power of God in an area where Baal was worshipped, okay? And then there was this, you know, this drought. I mean, it, it went all over. So now he's in the hidden place, the dried up brook, and now he takes them to a Gentile city, to a widow, and he says, I've commanded a widow to provide for you there. Okay, and widows were like poverty-stricken in the ancient world. Okay? I mean, you know, God tells Elijah to not only go to a poverty-stricken widow, but to a Gentile poverty, poverty-stricken widow, and to receive a vision. Okay? And, you know, I suppose it made more sense to Elijah than to wait by a dry brook. Okay? So, but... What happens is, is Elijah gets there, and he addresses the widow, okay? And so, I love it. He obeys. He rose, he rose, he went to Zarephath, okay? And he comes to the gate, and indeed a widow was there gathering sticks, okay? Poverty, gathering sticks, okay? At the gate, gathering sticks, okay? And so it shows that that she's a poor woman, she's gathering sticks, she's gathering meager scraps for firewood, okay? And Elijah... (laughs) Maybe along the way, perhaps thought, well, maybe God will lead me to an unusually rich widow. (laughs) Right? You know, right as you're walking, maybe he'll lead me to this unusually rich widow. But God led him to a poor Gentile widow. Okay? And so, um, there's this famine. There's hardly any firewood. And she's looking and scrounging around for this. And God tells Elijah in 1 Kings 17.9 that he commanded the widow to feed the prophet. Yet this woman who was gathering this firewood at the gate seems unaware. She seems unaware of this command. Okay, And this shows how God's unseen hand often works. Okay, This is how he works. He's already gone before you and commanded, and done in the heavenlies, this. And you don't see that. You're just supposed to, what? Obey. 
walk through the door, obey, walk through the door. He prepares the heart. He makes the ground furrow. He's what's doing it. You just walk through and you obey, okay? And so, and so the woman seems unaware of this command, and she doesn't appear to have been at all aware that she was to feed a prophet, okay? And so she went out in the morning gathering sticks, which, which she needed to do for the firewood, okay? And not to meet a guest. Okay, she had a purpose in mind, all right? So she was thinking about feeding who? Her son and feeding herself upon the last what? Cake. And then what were they going to do? Die, okay? Okay, so she certainly had no idea that she was out gathering sticks to sustain a prophet, right? No idea that she was going to be sustaining a prophet, a prophet, okay? And so the Lord never lies, okay? And so God commands a widow, okay, over there, and he says, okay, here's what's going on. I command this widow, and so what he's doing is he's operating on the mind of this widow as Elijah is walking, obeying by faith. You guys, we've got hindsight. We're looking at the story. We're going, this is great. This rocks. Look at this. Guys, get in it. He's just walking step by step by step. The brook is gone. He needs to go here. He knows that there's a famine. He sees it. And he commands the widow, okay? And then it says, he comes and he says to the widow, <laughs> she's gathering the last sticks. For, I mean, I mean, this has got to be a very somber time for her. And he says to her, please bring me a little water in a cup. <laughs> right? Please bring me a little water in a cup. Please bring me a little morsel of bread in your hand. Elijah boldly requests this by faith. Obviously not by sight. By sight, he would have run and said, are you kidding me? Look at the pot, look what's happening, okay? You know, common sense and circumstances would tell him, you know, that the widow, you know, is not going to give so generously, she doesn't have anything in it at all, but generously to a Jewish stranger who just walks in the front gate. But faith made him ask because he trusted God with that widow. Just like we trust God with our kids. Trust God with our husband. Trust God. Because <coughs> he trusted God. And Spurgeon, I love what he says. You know, Charles Spurgeon, other than Oswald Chambers. First Jesus, Oswald Spurgeon. In heaven, I can tell you that I'm going to be millions of years before these guys in heaven. You can come see me anytime. I'm going to be right there. He says this. God indeed chose this woman, but he chose her for more than a miracle. He chose her for service. The choice of this woman, while it brought such blessedness to her, involved service. She was not elected merely to be saved in the famine, but to feed the prophet. She must be a woman of faith. She must make the little cake first, and afterwards she shall have the multiplication of the meal and of the oil. So the grace of God does not choose men to sleep and wake up in heaven, nor choose them to live in sin and find themselves absolved at the last, nor choose them to be idle and go about their worldly business, and yet to win a reward at the last for which they never toiled. Ah, no. The sovereign electing grace of God chooses us to repentance, to faith, and afterwards to holiness of living, to Christian service, to zeal, which is what enthusiasm is. And when it says that God made the world with zeal, it means with enthusiasm. Okay? With zeal to devotion. 
didn't only choose her to feed, but chose her for service. That's who he chose us for. And the response of the widow, Aziraphat, what did she say? What you shared, Mary. She said, as the Lord your God lives, okay, as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread, okay? Only a handful of flour in the bin, a little oil in the jar, and see, I am gathering just a few meager sticks so I can go and prepare for myself my son, and I will die. As the Lord your God lives, okay, this polite address, right, means that she respected God, right? She respected God. God had prepared her just the right widow. She respected God, and yet realized that the God of Israel was Elijah's God and not her own. Was Elijah's God by his own name and not her own, okay? And she says, I don't have any bread. So Elijah quickly finds out not only is she poor, but that she is desperately poor, that she has just a little bit left. And then and then Elijah found her right before she's preparing the last cake, last morsel of food for herself and her son, and then they were going to resign themselves to death. Okay, are you following this? They're going to resign themselves to death. And Elijah speaks words to her in 13 and 14. And he says, don't fear. I think he must have gone to angel school, right? First thing angels always said, oh, don't fear. Right? They appear and everybody said, don't, do not fear. The Lord said, don't fear. God's first word to the widow through Elijah, don't fear. Your present crisis, right now, rightly, made you afraid. <coughs> and God wants you to put away that fear and put your trust in him. Don't fear. Don't fear. Go and do as you've said, but make me a small cake first. Wow. That's faith talking. Go, you know, okay, I, I, I know what you're saying, okay, but you need to go and make a small cake for me first. Okay, you guys, the only word I can use with this is it's an audaciously bold request audaciously bold request, okay, from the prophet. And he asked this destitute woman to first feed him something from the last bit of food. That seems like the worst kind of predatory fundraising to me. I don't know about you, right? I mean, that's, you should know about fundraising, Mark. I mean, that seems like predatory fundraising, right? And he says, look, this is what you need to do. But then he goes on to say, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day of the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, sends rain on the earth. Okay, don't fear. Go and make me cake first. Do what you're going to do and make mine first. And I'll tell you, this is what God's going to do. Okay? And so this shows why Elijah could make such an audacious request. Okay? Because God told him that he would provide a never-ending source of oil and flour and food for the widow, the son, and Elijah. Okay? Until the rain. And so, he asked the widow to put her trust in this great promise of Yahweh. Of God. And the widow's obedience then, and God's great blessing is in 15 and 16. She went away, she did according to the word of, the, of Elijah, the widow actually did it. She went and she did it and willingly gave at great risk, at great risk and, and based on her trust in the promise of God. Okay, now there's her faith. And then it says, she and he and the household ate for many days. God fulfilled his promise, as he always did, because he can't do anything else. 
because he's God. So he promises it to him, to the widow, to the son, to Elijah, and God used that supply, that supply, that channel of supply and needs, and all of her needs were met as a result. Now guess who I'm going to quote? Charles Spurgeon. <laughs> so he said, "Why did not God give her a granary full of meal at once? Right? Just say, here you go. You know what? There's a. I mean, here it is until it's going to rain. Man, here it is. Just put it right over there." Greenery full of meal at once and a vat full of oil instantly. He could have done that. He could have easily done that. I will tell you, Charles says, it was not merely because of God's intent to try her, but there is wisdom here. Suppose he had given her a granary full of meal, how much of it would have been left by the next day? I question whether any would have remained, for in days of famine, men are sharp of scent, and it would soon have been noised about the city. The old widow, woman who lives in such and such a street, has a great store of food. Why, they would have caused a riot and robbed the house and perhaps have killed the woman and her son. She would have been despoiled of her treasure, and in four and twenty hours, the barrel of meal would have been as empty as it was first, and the cruise of oil would have been spilled upon the ground. And see, God knows best. He knows best. Right? Gives it exactly when you need it, Okay? And so what happens then? Elijah raises her son. And just like Mary had said, I mean, this is the first, okay? Okay, Elijah, the widow's grief at the death of the son, and after these things, the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. Okay, after it looks like all is going well, right? What is life? We're either coming into a problem, we're in a problem, or we're coming out of a problem, right? <laughs> it's pretty much the fallen world, right? Everything looks just great, Why? The son gets sick. The son's the one who owns the house, okay? We can imagine all the happy days of all the provision and everything, what God's doing through Elijah and the son and, and, and the widow, okay? And and can see seeing the continuing miracle of God over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden those happy days are covered by a dark shadow. Ever been there? Yeah. Ever been there? Happy days. All of a sudden covered by a dark shadow. Yeah. So wait a minute, God, you're providing me. Look what you've done. I mean, and, 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 the, and the sickness and death. A little bit of a son. Double blow to the widow. Double blow. You know, not only did she suffer a child dying, but she suffered her future. Because her son owned the home, and that is her future. And her son would provide for her in her old age. That was Social Security back then. That's what happened back then. And now, both expectations were shattered. Higher than a kite, on that mountain, cranking away, right? Mountaintop, it's very, very tiny, and then down in the valley. But it's in the valley where you make the fruit. It's in the valley where the fruit is made. And so what happens, she says, if you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and kill my son? And so at the death of her son, she like indirectly blames who? Elijah. Blames Elijah, okay? And in then she more directly blamed herself because of her what? Because of her sin, okay? And whatever sin it was, okay, whatever sin it was, all right, the guilty memory was always close to her. Whatever sin it was, okay? And so Elijah, what does he do? Elijah's prayer, right? He prays, okay? He took he took um, him out of her arms. The, you know, the vivid detail of this, you know, shows that the widow was clutching the dead child tightly in her arms. And he took her out of her arms, 
in the upper room where you're staying. And what that means is like a temporary shelter or room on the roof, okay, because that's what, what the upper room would be, okay, that would be accessible from the outside of the house. And um, which I think is incredible because that safeguard is the widow's reputation. You know, when you're in the upper room, it, you can only access it from the outside of the house. And so that arrangement would not only keep the widow in her privacy, but it would keep her reputation as well. Okay, and so he's in the upper room, the dead child, and what does he do? He cries out to the Lord, L-O-R-D, Yahweh is our God. The same Yahweh brought the family. Okay, he's provided all, all the way, okay? And Elijah prayed with a great heart. He prayed with great intimacy. He brought this, this seemingly unexplainable tragedy to God in prayer. He himself did not understand it. And since he knew God led him to this widow, remember, the word of the Lord had come to him and said, you need to go to this widow, okay? He knew that God had brought him to this widow. Elijah laid this tragedy on God. And asked him to remedy it. God's in control. God, you brought me here. You're the one who brought me. You know what? You see everything, the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. And I am saying to you that I'm laying this tragedy on you. And you need to remedy it. Because you're God. And I'm not. And he stretched himself out in the child. Okay? Three times. And he cried out to the Lord. Okay? He cried out. You guys, crying out doesn't mean you just said... Dear God, heal this. <laughs> Crying out is when you are at your absolute wit's end and you have nowhere to look but up and you are praying upon all prayer that he is there and he's listening and he is who he says he is and who you know him to be. And you are crying out. You are crying out until he hears you. And you keep crying out. And so he cries out. And he puts himself three times, and he cries out to the Lord. And you know, this this isn't like, you know, you know, this was like an unusual prayer technique. Okay, I mean, Elijah had no precedent for this. This isn't something that you know was used because there was some kind of you know prayer technique or magic or anything. You know, it was because of his faith. Okay, that God answered his prayer. Oh, you know, the fact that it was just written that he cried out. Yes, Mark, on the book that I was reading, it says that. Elijah, the man of God, he silently climbed the stairs yeah. to the room where he had been doing battle before God yeah. on a regular basis. And then it says, I believe this because Elijah had spent hours, even on a, even days, on his knees in that room. He so had me. formed the habit while alone with God and Cherith. And therefore, he's still that same person. That's right. When he was hidden there at the brook, he's still that same person who's crying out and knows that he knows that he's agreeing with God right. and he's going to continue on. Exactly. So he, and so God is refining him and, and he's becoming more and more like him to the point of allowing him to be a part of raising this child from the dead. Right. And, and so he says, Oh Lord my God, I pray let this child's soul come back to him. You know, a prayer full of powerful arguments there, okay? I mean, you ever reason before the Lord? You know, you reason before, it, you say, okay, you are the Lord, so I know that you can revive this child. Right? See, that's why you're in the Word, okay? That's why you've been taught, because I know that I know that you're the Lord. You're the only one who can revive.
by this child. I know that. I know that of you, okay? And and my God, okay, I know you're my God. Therefore, do not deny me. Okay, because you're my God. You're everything to me. You're my God, okay? And and she's a widow. You know that she's a widow, okay? And and don't deprive her of the support and 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 the staff of her age. And and you know who she is. You know that you brought me to her. You know that she's given me this incredible um, kind way that she has lived in, in the entertainment. And and don't let anything that I could have done or anything that in, in, in the fear of this prophet stand between what is happening, Lord, okay? I know you. I know you. And it says, then the Lord, what? Heard the voice of Elijah. And the sun was raised, and God provided for the widow on every single level. Every single level. Not only with the miraculous supply of food, but also with the resuscitation Spirit came back, resuscitation of her son. And this is the first example, like Mary said, of revival from death in the Word of God. Elijah, a great man just like us. The question is, are you like Elijah? He's just like us. Are you like him? Are you praying to me? Are you knowing me? Are you are you knowing to the point where you will trust him even when you don't see? Even in the dry books, you keep looking at the creator and not what's created. Do you know? How are you praying? Because we are just exactly like him. Exactly. We can be exactly like him. Great, it doesn't rain for three and a half years for God's glory. Great, great to God's glory. Because everything is from Him and through Him and to Him for His glory. Don't you want to be used and protected that way? Because so many, Stuart and I were talking about walking through this earth. So many of us Christians just want to live a safe life. Just a safe life. Just, you know, this little house in Okinawa. Walk- Lake and this little and just bless me, Lord, here. Bless you face to face. Amen. <laughs> he is so much more for you. He is so much more for you. It doesn't matter where you are. You don't have to be sent around the world like Stuart until you just need to be available for the next great thing. The fact that, that God could use me in a situation with Mr. O yesterday just to see a parent praise the Lord praise the Lord he receives a garden for that I don't I don't I could have been a nutcase walking in in my own flesh but the peace that passes all understanding you walk through that he is who he says he is are you going to believe it are you going to walk it I don't want to live a safe life I want to be dangerous for Christ because the toothless one has no power over me he that's in me is great see you face to face. And the more dangerous you get for Christ, the more he just goes, that away, that away. Okay, you know what? I want you to go over here for a bit. Because you know what? I need to work on you, Lynn Margo. So let's hide out here. You know, let's cut away some stuff here. 
let's go over here and, and absolutely depend on something that looks like it could not be dependable at all. Like that. Let's walk through that. I want you to know me more. I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, and becoming like him in death, so that somehow I can attain to the resurrection from the dead. Philippians 3.10, my life. Whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. And like Daniel said, was he lonely? Would he go through all? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But God. But God. Yes, sir. I just want to share a quick story about this in my life where God provided this, where I was coming back. I had three small children and I left Oklahoma where we started a church to come home because I wanted to get away from the tornadoes. <laughs> And so when the tornadoes were done, I was coming back with my three children going through Missouri, and I was going down a hill and got a speeding ticket. And in that town, you could not leave till you paid the ticket. And this is 26 years ago, no cell phones. We had no charge card. We were too poor. They wouldn't accept a check. And so all I had was the cash that was on me, which was the whole amount. And so I'm standing before this this police officer in this court in this officer and I'm saying that if I give you all my money I won't have enough gas to get home and I won't know how to feed my children and I was crying and and he says well then you can stay here we'll put you in jail and take your children away mm-hmm. and I was just like okay well here's all my money and I walked up to the car and I was crying I said God it's you and me somehow you have to get me home I never ran out of gas and my children slept the rest of the way there was no crying for food drinks or anything I pulled in that driveway and I just saw him because I did it. Absolutely. He kept that gas tank full Absolutely. the whole way. Absolutely. You clicked something in me. I just have to share with you. We have when I was on the fish, um, I went on I went to um, Mexico to Esperanza Viva, which means uh, hope, uh, city of hope or something. It's, it's a big orphanage. And uh, I was there for about four or five days in a familiaration uh, kind of tour and with these incredible kids taken off the street that are just left and just left and underneath highways and byways. And, and, and God wonderfully redeems them and, and they come to know them and just an amazing story. And the two people who had founded this, uh, Esperanza Viva, are originally from Minnesota and then lived in West Bend area. And, then, and so the, incredible. Um, and so I got to know them. And, I, and we went out to, to like a, a real little, sort of a native little lunch area. And we sat there and I said, you need to tell me and tell me stories on how you have just absolutely walked by faith and God is always, 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 always more than you can ask, think, or imagine. I said, because I want to go back and share those stories on the video because that's what it is. It's not about what you're doing. It's about what God's doing through your faith. And so he said every year that they, because they have people that, that work for them, and what happens is, is the kids that come, then they grow up, and then they end up working in the orphanage, and, you know, and then there's education, and there's music, and there's all kinds of stuff that just self, self-perpetuate. It's just incredibly wonderful. They had their very first marriage between the two just last year. You know, it's just a neat, neat story. I see how God redeems us. And he said, well, we always wanted to provide a big Christmas party for all of our workers and, and show them how much we love them. And, you know, we work on, on nothing. You know, it's just it's just the next it's the next raven that comes in, you know. And, and he said, so we're always praying. And so, and so uh, God had given us uh, monies uh, for this very purpose. 
And so we were out, and it was a big, you know, we wanted to do the best ever, the big festival for them, and big eats and everything, and a big time of prayer, big time of this, and they went to, to pay, and they didn't have enough money. And of course, nobody has any money, and, and I mean, they were like a lot of no money. And he couldn't understand, he tried to talk to me, he said, we'll do dishes for you, we'll, we'll do anything uh, for you, we can do, but I don't understand, there was a miscommunication of what it was, and it was like, no, it was just, no, that's not it. It was pretty much, you know, you were the highway kind of situation. And as it turned out, they just all huddled their heads, and they prayed and prayed and prayed, and they said, Lord, you know our hearts, you know who you are, you know that we're, we walked in the security, and you know that you know that you're the one who provides, and you're Jehovah Jireh, and we expect to see monies somehow, way through you, or that they would forgive us in this, because it needs to be you. One of their own kids said, Hey, Dad, remember you stashed some money in the ashtray out in the van because you don't ever, we, you don't smoke, we don't use it? And he's like, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, there might be a couple bucks. I'm ready to go look. Five or six of them went out. And Jerry went out, who is the man telling the story. And they pulled money out. Unending. <laughs> money. Unending. The money just kept coming out. It just, it just kept coming out. It was Mexican pesos, whatever. It just kept coming out. More than you can ask, think, or imagine. They not only paid, they tipped, and they were able to save for the next person. Money just kept, they, they just kept, and they were rejoicing, and they were sharing, and they were saying, you know, God is the one who will provide. You know, and, he, and you know what? If, if you're having a hard time believing this right now, you better check this out. Better check your faith because it's your faith that's having a problem right now, not this true story to me. You better check your faith. Same thing that kept her guest thankful from going back home. That's what he does. That's who he is. He can't be anything else. But and I remember sitting there and just going, oh. He said, he does that all the time. It's just not so visual usually. He does it all the time. It's who he is. It's just not so visual. I thought, oh, absolutely, that's who he is. So, I mean, praise God. I mean, that's who he is. That's how we need to pray, right? And next we're going to learn um, uh, how Jesus prayed, okay, and how he walked through this earth, and how he prayed, and when he prayed, and how he prayed. And I'm telling you, Jesus was our example of prayer. He prayed morning, night, afternoon. He was always stealing away to pray. We're going to learn about that. Lord God, you are so amazing to us. It... You are the supreme being in the entire universe. You love us and cherish each of us so much. And you want us to talk to you. You want us to pray and ask of you. You want us to get to know you in this way. And that's overwhelming, Father, and it's such a privilege. I pray that we can grab hold of this, that we'll listen to you, we'll spend time, we'll be sensitive to your spirit and pray according to your will. Father, I thank you for the lesson of Elijah. I thank you that we see his faith moment by moment when there was nothing around him on earth that gave him anything to rely on. And I I pray, Father, that we can keep focused on you and know that no matter where we are, what we're going through, you are the one who provides and that we look to you for those ravens that you'll have for us. Thank you for this time and 
teach us to pray more this week. May we draw to you and worship you and talk to you and pray and listen. And we just thank you because we know you're going to answer this prayer, Lord, in your son's name. Amen.